Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. This is, without a doubt, we talked about Mastodon. This is, without a doubt, my favorite social network. <laughs> it's so simple, but, like, I love movies. I love watching as many movies as possible. And I think that this does a great job. You just follow people, um, and you can see what they're watching. Uh, so whenever I see, like, one of my friends post, like, a five-star review of a movie that I haven't seen, I'm like, ooh, interesting. So I can add that to my watch list. Um, I can see what's popular with all Letterboxd users. Um, and so that kind of gives me an idea for new stuff. But, like, I feel like it's hard to keep track of, like, what movies are coming out. And, like, especially what smaller movies um, are cool and worth your time. And I think Letterboxd just, like, helps me do that. Welcome back to Rips of a Pros. Back in the podcast is Matt Birchler from birchtree.me and the YouTube channel A Better Computer. You can hear past episodes with him on episodes 74, 92, 114, 123, 131, 143, and 150. In this episode, we touch on a bunch of different topics, including Mastodon, RSS, the Sony Endzone M9 monitor, subscriptions, Matt's move to Todoist from Things 3, Letterboxd, and the Adobe's voice enhancement that you'll hear for the first time in this episode. I am actually processing both Matt's and my tracks with this tool. And to close out the episode, we go totally off topic with a spoiler-filled discussion of The Last of Us both the game and the first episodes of the new HBO series, and it's a great discussion. We are both huge fans of this story and, and game and, and show, and I had a lot of fun diving deep into one of my favorite stories of all time. Before jumping into that final topic, I will share where you can find Matt and can promise that that is the only topic found in those last 15 minutes, and we don't have any tangents into any other topics. As a reminder, you can support this show over at patreon.com slash iPadPros or by subscribing in Apple Podcasts. Before jumping to the episode proper, I want to share a quick audio demonstration of Adobe's speech enhancement versus Apple's new voice isolation feature, which works as an audio plugin. For this sample audio, I'm recording to the iPhone 14 Pro built-in microphone. As I try to test with my good microphone, the difference was not nearly as noticeable coming from a good sound source like that. For the sample, I'm going to read a paragraph from the M2 Pro press release for the new Macs Apple announced on Tuesday, January 17th. So here's the original audio for the sample. Apple today announced M2 Pro and M2 Max, two next-generation systems on the chips that take the breakthrough power-efficient performance of Apple Silicon to new heights. M2 Pro scales up the architecture of M2 to deliver an up to 12-core CPU and up to 19-core GPU, together with up to 32 gigabytes of fast unified memory. Here's the Apple voice isolation version of that audio. Apple today announced M2 Pro and M2 Max, two next generation system on the chips that take the breakthrough power efficient performance of Apple Silicon to new heights. M2 Pro scales up the architecture of M2 to deliver an up to 12 core CPU and up to 19 core GPU together with up to 32 gigabytes of fast unified memory. And here's the Adobe Enhancement version of that audio. Apple today announced M2 Pro and M2 Max, two next-generation systems on the chips that take the breakthrough power-efficient performance of Apple Silicon to new heights. M2 Pro scales up the architecture of M2 to deliver an up to 12-core CPU and up to 19-core GPU, together with up to 32 gigabytes of fast unified memory. I hope this has been an interesting demonstration of the post-processing tools now rolling out from Adobe and Apple. In some cases, it really can save and rescue audio that would otherwise be unusable. With that, here's my discussion with Matt. Enjoy. Welcome back to the podcast, Matt. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for being here. So, hot fudge of different stuff I want to chat with you about. And um, I guess most timely is the whole... Um, Twitter Mastodon stuff, um, uh, mainly because the third-party clients kind of got shut down, and they were back up for a little bit in read-only mode. Now they're back down again, except for like Phoenix on iOS. I think is one of the few that I can read at least from. Um, but that, that's to say that um, my Twitter timeline, as a result of the clients shutting down, 
has basically resulted into like no activity there except for Wario 64 for all the gaming deals. That's <laughs> pretty much. And then um, I also continue to use Twitter for the push notifications for Relay FM for their live broadcasting. Because sometimes when they say one o'clock for recording time, it's like one twenty, and I, I can't just be waiting around on the broadcast app and play, play, play over and over again until it goes. Okay, up, so. yeah, yeah. Those are my two uses right now of Twitter. Well, it's not a lot. <laughs> no. It's uh, degraded quite a bit, I would say, from uh, probably probably a few months ago. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, you're. Do you have any uses of Twitter right now, or are you entirely moved over? No, I uh, I looked back recently, and the last time I posted something to Twitter that wasn't, hey, just a reminder, I'm over on Mastodon, was back in mid-November. Okay, so it's been a bit. I deleted the app, <laughs> haven't been there. I've opened it like on, in a web browser maybe once or twice, uh, but yeah, it's it's just not a thing I was interested in doing anymore, so moved over. Yeah, there's um, some DMs I'm still doing there, because I still that's my only way of contacting certain people. Um, so that's, uh, you know, the transition period is hopefully more people move over to Mastodon, which I was skeptical upon the service initially. And it seems to be doing a pretty good job. Um, it's still a bit confusing as far as the whole server bit. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Do we want to do a primer one-on-one on Mastodon and how, how this all works? Yeah. I mean, we, 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 we could, I, I, I definitely, shared your skepticism of it and concern with the sign-up process and like everyone is confused and then people on Mastodon are like it's not confusing and I'm like people are confused <laughs> whether you think it's confusing or not is irrelevant yeah one of the confusing things is you you're in Safari or whatever you ha- there's a link to a uh, a post on Mastodon I hit reply it's like sign with this server sign in over like that that's one confusing part even if I ha- am signed up already and have apps if I'm using on the web it's like <laughs> yeah 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 they need they need to fix that or improve that somehow to know that you're assigned into another mastodon instance when you're looking at another one but yeah yeah uh the the gist like the thing that helped me kind of understand how they all work and like all the mastodon servers connect to each other is just think of it like email you can sign up for gmail you can sign up for yahoo you can sign up for icloud and you have a different experience but at the end of the day, you're sending emails to anyone you want. And right. there's not no reason an iCloud user can send an email to a Gmail user, and it's all fine. But you kind of have to choose which one you want. Yeah. I think, and the clients I, do a good job when you're adding someone, if you're following them, to like just hide the, the garbage of the... Yes, yeah, for sure. Like the double at signs, your at, <laughs> yeah. your name, at yourserver.com or whatever. Yeah, it's... It's definitely still confusing, but more of the nerds seem to have made the jump, which is great. Yeah. For people like you and me. How are the, like, Wario64 and other people that use Twitter to broadcast um, stuff on a, I don't know if it's automatic nature, but um, is hooking into Mastodon a thing quite as it was with Twitter at this point? It is, but it's not super easy. Okay. Um like most places you can just go to like auto post to Twitter as like a checkbox or something in whatever you're like cross you're posting there. Yeah. Um, and so I'm doing, I'm actually doing this with my blog. So when I post a blog post, I have an automation that, uh, su- sends it to my, uh, Twitter account, my like automated account that mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't touch or log into, but some people like to follow there. Um, and then it also posts to Mastodon now. Okay. But I had to do this with Zapier. And I had to write to the API myself okay. as a webhook. Yeah. Not like just choose Mastodon and then like send it over. So I'm using a third party automation service and I'm writing to an API, which is not ideal. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause WordPress, I checked, there's, uh, that's what uh, my website's on and still just Twitter is like, and then I just manually copy out the tweet and put it in Mastodon and, um, uh-huh. And then I, if there is an at of that account, I'll try to find it and tweak it a bit to make it more. But it's still, yeah, still a process. Yeah, it's still a process. Yeah, and I can't figure out how to get like images to come over in this request. So like, if I have a featured like image I want to have in the post, it's not there. So it's, it's a whole thing. But it'll presumably get better as more people. Yeah, and one of the stick around. One of the cool features is the whole spoiler tag thing with the Mastodon. John Syracuse was able to post about The Last of Us 
And I noticed on Twitter, he just posted the joke about opening drawers with Joel. But Mastod, yeah. he went into more depth of his feelings as on the show, as we'll talk about at the very end of this show. Um, but that's a cool feature where you can, you know, post stuff that you otherwise would feel bad about posting or not want to mm. post. Yeah, that is one of my favorite features. Yeah. It's also it's kind of a weird thing because there's like a culture of like what you p- put a content warning on. Yeah, on some of it's weird. That's... It's like, yeah, it's like this didn't need a content warning. It's like, almost... yeah. yeah. Or, or like you'll post something that you think is innocuous and someone will be like, excuse me. But like I, it, <laughs> it used to be a thing where like if you did anything about Twitter on Mastodon and you didn't put it behind a content warning, people would yell at you. And they yelled at me because <laughs> I was like, Twitter sucks, and they're like, I don't want to see Twitter in my timeline, and I was like, it's like, I don't know. Mute the, the word? Whole, I don't know. I don't know. The, the term snowflake is a bit, um, people don't like it sometimes, but some of it feels a bit snowflakey where you're going to melt this, you know, you see something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the but the use case for, like, being able to talk about The Last of Us, like, openly. Yeah, or I could do, like, an avatar to, like, post and mm-hmm. go full out versus just, like, overall impressions. Like, I know you do... Ex- reviews of like movies you could have like a first one as an overall and you could even on Mastodon do a more spoilerific version of that if you wanted to that's true yeah yeah i would never spoil a movie in a review but i okay, like that yes. I could. <laughs> Analysis as a policy as, yes yeah absolutely <laughs> but like it's it's awesome that i could like i, it, I always felt like because you never know when people are watching like sometimes if it's a show that's airing every week you can feel a little more okay about like sharing your thoughts but like if it's a netflix show or an older thing you're uh-huh. like if people seen it like maybe you couldn't binge it this weekend maybe you're watching it like you yeah. don't know when you can say something so it's nice to be able to um yeah just be able to say something and have the people who know like or like won't be spoiled be able to see it and kind of have a conversation with them and it it, it, it uh, masks the whole conversation with people who reply to you as yeah. well so someone nice. isn't gonna like see a reply yeah exactly in, in um i'm not sure if all the clients do this but you get to tell the client or the service this is a last of a spoiler this is uh yeah a political thing that might be bad or something. You get to kind of <laughs> you get to frame it how you want it to frame it, which is nice. Exactly. Yeah. So when you say I want to put it this behind a content warning, you get to put whatever text you want as like the thing people will see, and then they can use that to yeah click in and see more details if they want. So, uh, what are your favorite clients up until now? I mean, most of them are in beta that I've been using. Um, yeah, it's a weird thing. The best clients are in beta right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so th- I think three have stood out to me. I'm curious, uh, what ones are landing with you. So, um, I think the clear winner right now is Ivory. From Absolutely. Tabots. And I, I am on that uh, beta. It's wonderful. It's a Basically, hot commodity. It's Tweetbot, but yeah, that was the thing that, I, that there was like a propagation error within Mastodon. So I had the alert set to go this time and yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so it's not as real time as Twitter in some instances, uh, which uh, showed itself when people are eager to get into the beta. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, uh, Ivory is the new app from TapBots. It's effectively TweetBot, but for Mastodon. But it's, I don't know why, but it feels more joyful. There, there's a mm-hmm. sense of like whimsy about it that I really like, and it displays things just, just really, really beautifully. And I'm really, it seems to be there's like a... a track people go through with mastodon they're like oh this is kind of confusing it's kind of janky then they install ivory and use it and they're like i love mastodon i'm never going back <laughs> so like, yeah ivory is is a huge huge benefit to the service i think and i know they're working really hard to get it out to the public relatively soon and i think people will pay basically whatever for it yeah uh because it's great it's incredibly great and then um mammoth is the other one i found really good um especially for just notifications, as weird as that sounds, they're so quick about notifications. Ivory, I don't even... Do you know, has Ivory implemented notifications? I don't seem to get anything as far as that from them yet. Yeah, Ivory does have notifications, and they are absolutely real-time for me. They are, like, okay. I'll have it, I might have accidentally turned those off, so maybe I'll look into that. <laughs> yeah, um, I've, I've definitely done, because I, you know, I'm curious. Uh, like, I have, like, the website open, mastodon.social open, and my client open, and I can see, like, Tweetbot or Ivory get the notifications exactly at the same time, so yeah, it's pretty nice for and me. I, I like in Mammoth, like, on the 
on one of the tabs, it's like all activity. I can have mentions, likes, repost. So you can really filter out um, stuff. I do like the all activity kind of thing. I think um, Tweetbot or um, uh, Ivory does this as well, <laughs> where this is a part of um, Mastodon where the, your kind of at screen can also become more of like looking at who's following you and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they also have. They're the only place I know that does this, um, but Mammoth also has a way to schedule posts for later. Ooh, did not notice that. So from the compose screen, there's a uh, there's like a three dots to show more options, and there's a schedule option, and you can schedule it for any time you'd like in the future. Oh, look at this. Is, I, we yeah. can collaborate via SharePlay. Did you see this? Oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> uh, this is wild. Um, C- collaborate on the greatest post of all time. I hit it. It's not doing anything. I was going to send you a collaboration thing, but it doesn't seem to work. Uh, um, but that's kind of an intriguing to elaborate on a <laughs> over uh, iMessage or whatever. Um, now the other uh, thing about Mastodon that was initially a little weird is um, the whole direct messages and who gets to see your content aspect of it. Uh, some apps do a good job of having just a direct messages tab like you're used to in Twitter, uh, but others are just like you get to just choose if it's a DM or not. And when you're replying, hopefully you're looking at the client properly to know if it's private or not. Yeah, that's definitely a weird thing because they all happen in your timeline. Uh-huh. It's not like a separate, it's not like direct messages. You have to go to a separate part of the app. Although, like you said, some apps like kind of have a separate view for them. But yeah, it's just the privacy of the replies. Yeah is if you reply to someone, you can reply publicly and have everyone see it, or you can reply only for them, and then that's a quote-unquote DM yeah. in the system. So I honestly don't understand them fully. Again, Mastodon has some confusing things, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely a, a shift uh, in what you're used to for DMing people. And it's really nice having polls that actually function in uh, third-party apps. That is a lovely this is, thing. And everything, everything, every third-party app has all the features of the service. Yeah. Like as far as I can as far as I can tell from talking with devs, it sounds like there's no advantage the uh official Mastodon ha- app has over what Which chatbots the can official do apps, what anyone else can do. Not yeah. terrible. I've used that's what it started with. It's like this isn't terrible. Um on iPad, you know, the Ivory really I think is is the best one. Like Mammoth, I'm not a fan of the panel structure, especially with resizing that window and how that all plays out. Um, okay. But yeah, iPhone seems to be a much, uh, like the developers understand that much better. Um, but yeah, Ivory is the way to go on iPad, I think. Um, yeah. The uh, the third one that really resonates with me is an app called Mona, which is also in beta. i about this one, yeah. So this is from the developer of Spring for Twitter. Yeah. Which is like the power users Twitter app, right. I think. Yep, for sure. Um, it was one of the last you... Twitter apps to go down, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, it was holding out for a little bit, um, but yeah, it's really customizable. So Ivory, I think, just has like a great experience, like off, like just on its own. Um, Spring is or Mona. Uh, I'm going to alternate these back yes. and forth unintentionally, but uh, Mona is a little less pretty. But it has tons of customization options. You can like tweak the UI to your heart's content and get like just the stuff you want. And uh, one thing I really like about it, I th- kind of I think you mentioned it with Mammoth too, is notifications. Um, so this is like the only client. It was the same with Twitter. Where like one thing I liked about the Twitter app is if you got like a tweet with twenty likes, instead of it being twenty rows in like the list uh-huh. of notifications, it's one row that says these twenty people liked it. That's, that's great. Such a nice quality of life yeah. <laughs> improvement. Is Mammoth the one that is also building their own server to make sign up an easy thing? Um I think so, yeah. Which is Honestly, a really smart thing to do. Um, they should all be doing it, yeah. They should be. They should do it. They should charge a subscription that pays for their server costs, and you get to use the app. And yeah, I don't know. That'd how, be an interesting model. Like, I think that's a good way to justify the subscription. And you're able term. to move your username elsewhere if you want to move. You just don't get to keep all your old posts. Which I guess I'm not. A, I wish there was a way to move that stuff too, but I understand it at the same time. Um, yeah, yeah, and I don't. Is there? Do you know? Is there a way to change your username on Mastodon? I've not you've created it. I've not checked because I know you can move without uh, losing people. But I'm 
basically I'm, I'm regretting the username I selected six years ago when I signed up originally <laughs> and I want to change. What's it. your username? So I'm at Birch Tree on okay. social. Gotcha. And I got it because I could, but right. honestly, I would prefer at Matt Birchwater. Like, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. That and makes I'd, sense. I'm, su- I'm sure that's available, but then I'd have to, I don't know if I can migrate from one to the other, to the other on the same server. Yeah. Hmm. I'm certainly not going to do it live on the air. No. <laughs> um, has your relationship to RSS and other things like that changed with the downfall of Twitter? Like, are you using RSS more than you had in the past? I am an outlier, I think, in this regard. I've never stopped using RSS. Look at I you. Use, yeah. I, okay. get, I routinely get hundreds of RSS articles in my feed every day, and I have been doing that since, like, 2004. Amazing. <laughs> so, uh, you all just came back to where I've always been. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your app of choice these days? Uh, so for me, it's Reader everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, Reader 5 iPhone. they're up to now? Yeah, whatever. I Like, literally, whatever the new one is, I'll just, I'll pay for it because it's like $5 and I get years and years of use out of it. Yeah. And I I use it because it's super fast. Uh-huh. Um, and I, like I said, subscribe to a lot of feeds. So I have like two to 300 articles probably that hit my feed every day. So I'm not reading everything I subscribe to. <laughs> it's more of a triage system. Okay. I was wondering about that because that, that's one problem I had with RSS back in the day is you, in a day, you have to be very careful which feeds you uh, subscribe to. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know some people who use like Unread is the other like really popular yeah. one in kind of the Apple enthusiast space. And like whenever I talk to someone who uses Unread, in most cases, they're following m- many fewer things than me. Mm-hmm. But like I do like a volume game, like give me everything. Yeah. <laughs> And then I'll triage it down and save things to a read later app and, you know, kind of read the things I actually want. But I subscribe to like The Verge and they post like 40 posts a day. Yeah. I subscribe to Ars Technica and a couple news sites and like it's a busy feed. Yeah. There are different (laughs) approaches. Like there's the approach I've heard. um, I think Mark Arman was sharing like do the low volume sites that you wouldn't check regularly um, (laughs) as one way to use RSS in a non way yeah. that's not going to be like a big twitter feed kind of <laughs> yeah and and I, so that's that's definitely useful but also like i like following the higher volume ones i have a folder in my uh reader called Firehose, which is where like the verge goes yeah and it's just like here's all the tech news and it just lets me like just really quickly catch up on what happened without like relying on someone in my feeds to post yeah it. it'd be interesting if an rss client would look at all your stuff you're subscribed to and you know, summary, you know, there are 20 posts about this one thing. I don't know uh, what kind of AI would be used to do that. Um, so this would be great. Um, back in the day, it's, it's, it hasn't been maintained for many, many years, but there was a RSS reader called Fever, and it assigned a temperature, yeah. like, rating to each link. And so, like, if, like, 10 of your sites all linked back to the same blog post, that post would, like, rise to the top of your... Right page and so you'd be able to see that um it didn't always work but like i think you're right like this seems like a chat gpt thing made in heaven like Uh here's all the news that came into (laughs) my feed today summarize it for me or like yeah show me the 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 topics that were covered yeah like that's actually exactly what (laughs) yeah i would do (laughs) i i think that there's potential in something like that for sure interesting Um, so yeah yeah any rss uh developers who are listening to the show that's yeah. a feature idea for sure <laughs> so um external displays are now a thing for ipad users and uh i've uh i've gotten the display you you did i actually didn't know you had this until i started looking up reviews and yours popped to the top the uh <laughs> sony end zone m9 uh the monitor yep. that has a little ps5 stand looking thing in the bottom and yep. it's like optimized for ps5 which is great because I moved my PS5 away from the TV, which I never have use of anymore. It's a family TV at this point. And uh, yeah, it's so- down at the desk, and it's a lovely thing, and it looks amazing on iPad. Like, um, I was upgrading from, like, a cheapo, like, $200, 27-inch monitor to... Me too. This kind of, it's a premium monitor now. It's it's, it's great, and it, it, it feels it. Um, yeah, and still half the cost of the studio display. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah, so... Um, it's a 4K 27-inch monitor with 96 local dimming zones, which I was looking up the iPad Pro local dimming zones, and that has 2,500 zones and 12.9 inches. 
which yep. kind of blows my mind because I don't notice the blooming that I would expect with that um, when I'm using it versus the amount of blooming I see on the iPad. Like, it seems comparable. Mm-hmm. Um, which, so they're doing a good job with the 96 zones is all I'm saying. <laughs> I, th- I, think, I think they're doing a good job. Yeah, I occasionally see it. Um, if I'm looking at a black screen with, like, a white mouse cursor yeah. on Windows, yep. that's the only time I see it. But, like, yeah, most of the time it's just, it looks really, really nice. Um, yeah, I, I bought this several months ago, and I'm super, super happy with it. Yeah, I got it um, back when it was on sale for the Black Friday period. It was 100 bucks off. Um, I had quite the saga. I got a uh, refurbished one that was, like, half off, and that one had... All sorts of issues. It had like green <laughs> dots all over it. Um, then I got a different one that was um, all, also uh, open box, and that one had um, issue an issue where half the screen wouldn't display on like one of the HDMI ports. And then I um, then at that point um, there was a sale for the exact same price as the open box one, brand new works great so lesson learned with displays go new <laughs> <laughs> if you can yeah if you can <laughs> yes uh but uh and I, I you took it off the stand it's got um uh, kind of a bizarre stand i kind of like it but yours is just on an arm right yeah the best upgrade i made i think to my desk was getting a monitor arm for like 20 bucks on amazon and i like it a lot it gives me a ton of space left but yeah, I don't know. Are you you're using the stand? I am. Like. I, I kind of like the the look of it next to the PS5. It kind of looks like oh, sure. they belong together a little bit. Um, <laughs> and once things are hooked into the monitor, the monitor, um, it's got a lot of hard to reach ports at the bottom. But once they're in there, they're in there kind of thing. Um, <laughs> and I do like the fact that uh, it does elevate. It rises and lowers um, a bit. So I will take advantage of moving it up and down on that stand. And I do like the fact that um, it's kind of a tripod, so you can still put stuff directly underneath the monitor versus some stands which would have the feet closer to the front. So it's nice that they're That's coming true. back. Yeah, you can stick little stuff under there if you want. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's an H- HDR monitor that looks great for PS5 games, um, but yeah. also great H- on the iPad. Like a, a substantially different experience going from that <laughs> to, yeah. Yep. Well, yeah, and it does 144 hertz. Uh, so uh, I don't. I, I suspect the iPad doesn't do that. It probably only does 60 for the iPad. But with right. the Mac plugged into it, you get the full 144, and it looks. Oh, nice. It's, it's it's very very nice. <laughs> yeah, the HDR content from the iPad looks great in this thing. Um, nice. And uh, what other things? There are speakers, but I, I never really use them because um, wouldn't know. Yeah. Now. <laughs> Literally uh, any speakers you can plug into your computer are better. Yeah. <laughs> and I like the little knob in the back. There's a little joystick to control the settings, which is kind of interesting. Um, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. Overall, yeah. It it's looks, a, yeah. looks nice. Looks classy. It's got a light on the back if you really want. It does, yeah. But but yeah, this is a good alternative, as you said in your review, to the studio display from Apple at half the cost. And in many specs, I think much better, um, especially for gaming. But I think in other, other specs, it is still... Yeah, uh, up totally. there. Uh-oh. Just whatever, whatever you like. What you need for a monitor is different from person to person, and yeah, like the studio display only accepts Thunderbolt input. Right, I could not hook up the PS5 to that thing. Literally can't work with the PS5. Literally will not work with my PC that I c- connect to it. Like, yeah, it's a no go. Even you, I've even been like, <sighs> could I justify? Is there some kind a of studio display to hook it into? <laughs> not really. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I, it sounds like a Rube Goldberg situation if you really want to get it to work. And yeah, even that it's uh, Pro Display yeah. XDR is the same way I think. And there's all these alternatives mm-hmm. cropping up. Dell and um, another company, STS, had some five pan X six alternatives, and they had all additional inputs, which is great on a monitor. Yes, yeah, yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I really hope those are successful because it would be nice to see uh, some more options past the 4K point yeah i'm okay with 4k it works for me i zoom my monitor at 2x it's great it's actual retina it's just the ui is a little bigger than i think some people are used to so is 5k, 5K would be a great 2x option. as well or what's the situation there on mac so so you can do i mean you can obviously just do 2x at whatever size you want um i think at the expected ui size for the monitor uh i think people are used to 5k being 2x 
Because if, if you do 4K at 2X, you're effectively doing a 1080p image, just twice resolution. Yeah. Um, and it makes the UI a little bigger on screen. You get okay. a little less real estate when you're looking at like web, the web browser or whatever. But I'm used to it. I like it. And it's a good trade-off for me. Um, nice. But yeah, I know what I, it sounds like once you get a 5K monitor at 27 inches, it's hard to justify going back. And yeah. So <laughs> that's where we get into the whole conversation with people who are like, a Mac user would never get a 4K 27-inch screen. I was like, well, well they yeah. would. Well, I remember back to days where we had uh, much smaller monitors, 800 by 600 resolution. and yeah, Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. For years, my computer monitors were like 13-inch. We got a 15-inch, and that was huge. Yeah, I know. Um, and then uh, one kind of trick I've been using for some... There's some terrible apps, like I think Hulu's one of the... The app that does this, I can't go full screen on my external display on an iPad. So I changed the resolution down as far as it goes to make that window bigger. <laughs> that's that's a little hack if you're an iPad user struggling with some that's of a the, nice little hack. the bad apps out there. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Could you disable Stage Manager? Would it go full screen? Um, not. You can't do it on an external though. Oh, okay. So if you're on an external, I haven't I haven't used uh, an iPad with an external monitor since the beta period. Yeah, um, some apps, and it used to do this, but stopped doing this. Where if you have um, Stage Manager disabled on the iPad screen, you put Hulu on the iPad screen, it'll just show up like old school um, external display support would, and has uh, full screen on external and you know the black whatever on the iPad. But um, okay, I've noticed some of that is no longer working. But yeah, it's 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 the whole scene over here on iPad. We're we're learning yeah, how external yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. I, iPad iPad OS seventeen. Uh, hopefully, uh, is going to tighten all this up. Yes, <laughs> they like to do a big thing and then tighten things up. So hopefully, they do enough tightening. <laughs> yes, yeah. Everybody is very very happy it exists. I think we just just the execution. We wanted a little a little, a little nicer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and then I want to talk a little bit about subscriptions. Um, you did a video on. What subscriptions are kind of worth it? I, I had a calling because I was going on paternity leave, and uh, which means in my job I don't get income for this period. So I'm kind of like, what can I get rid of? Cause, and there was a lot yeah. that I was like, I really don't need this, <laughs> don't need this. Uh, some stuff I held on to. Um, what are kind of the thresholds and tiers for you when you evaluate this stuff? Yeah, so I think, I mean, for me, it's really how much value do I get from the app? whether I want to pay for it or not. So if it's something I use all the time and like there's really no good replacement or like my life would be meaningfully worse without it. Yeah. Um, and as terms in terms of computer stuff goes, at least I'm willing to pay it. I think I'm probably more open to it than the average person. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I think the, what, like you mentioned in the video, one of the things that I talked about is like, okay, there's, there's a new number of tiers of subscription style apps um, there's some people like the app is a web service. It relies on things that cost money. Okay. That should be a subscription. Easy. Yeah. Like that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. You can justify it. Like I, like I may not, you know, how much I care about it. It's whatever. Depends whether I personally will pay. But like, if obviously this costs lots of money to maintain and if they stopped paying that money, the app would stop working. I think you can justify that pretty well. Right. Um, and the whole other end, there's these apps that like have no, <laughs> ongoing costs they're just like a utility yeah like the example that i used in there was the canon webcam utility which is if you want to use your mirrorless camera as a webcam you can get terrible quality for free yeah but you can pay five dollars a month to get 1080p video from it um and i was like why <laughs> so that's the other end of it and those are always those are bad there's they're few and far between unless you're like an ios app ios apps have like tons of these like garbage mm-hmm. weekly subscriptions that they trick you into um but i think the interesting ground is the middle category where like it may not have any ongoing costs but the developers working on it they're mm-hmm. actively uh, updating it adding features and they're charging a subscription. And I think those are the ones that you kind of get the most uh, polarization around because like I finally, much... I finally got rid of Ulysses. I had signed up for the subscription since they transferred over to the subscription. And mm-hmm. I realized I'm not a, really a writer. I've been using it mainly to do the show notes with the links mm-hmm. and stuff to get into WordPress. Yeah. I, 
it's too high for what I'm 30 bucks or whatever. I was on, I was even on the cheaper price still, uh, from the initial, uh, your grandfather, grandfather did or whatever. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> let me get rid of that. I was like, let me get rid of that grandfather price and just stop it. Cause I'm not using uh-huh. it that much. Yeah. And that's, that's a perfect example of one is like Ulysses uses iCloud for like mm-hmm. your document storage. So it's using your own like iCloud storage. They don't have server side costs there, but they are actively updating it. Yeah, they like are. It gets new features all mm-hmm. the time and it's a really high quality app. And I too paid for it for a long time. Um, until I moved all my writing to Obsidian, uh, yeah. which is free if you want. I think yeah. I paid for it at some point, <laughs> but, but yeah, so it, it's, it's just one of those judgment calls, um, I'm trying to think, but yeah, there was like a huge uproar when Ulysses did this, like Ulysses users were not happy because they no. were used to it being paid up front and now they had to pay regularly. And so it, it's tricky. It's tricky, right? Uh-huh. Um, and if the app wasn't getting updated, then I think it's pretty not good. <laughs> so my favorite ones are like Pixelmator Photo and Halide have the option to pay a big lump sum. Plex Lifetime yeah. has this where you could pay a big lump sum like the old days where you used to pay that kind of amount of money or you do the subscription. That's a nice middle ground if a developer can make that work. Um, I think that's absolutely the best way. to If, if you're doing some sort of app that you, like someone could just keep using forever, um, even if you went out of business tomorrow, um, having some sort of lifetime option is definitely good. Yeah. Because then you can just buy it and not worry about it. Yeah, like, and I, that's it, what I did with really... Pixelmator and that's what I did yeah. with Halid, yeah. I actually didn't know Pixelmator had a lifetime option. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. Photo Photo does, and I only know if the regular one is a subscription at this point. Um, and I'm not sure about their Pro app on Mac, if that uh, has a lifetime. But um, I think they're migrating to it this year might be what I'm thinking of. Yeah, because uh, the Photo app in iOS definitely has one. Um, and it's it's not terribly expensive either. You'll pay off in a couple of years or whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm looking it up. Oh, f- 55 bucks for the lifetime. Okay, yeah. Which, yeah, I get so much utility out of Pixelmator Photo. <laughs> like, you know, charge me 100 for that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is, i also say another one, another app that really does it well, I think, is Spark. Or Sketch, sorry. Sketch, Sketch yeah. On, uh, on the Mac, uh, where you can pay $100 a year to use it. Mm-hmm. And if you ever want to stop your subscription, you can stop, that's fine. And then you just get whatever version of the app you had when you stopped your subscription, you can keep using that app until it stops working on macOS. Yeah, that's really that's, that's uh agenda does the same thing. So you you can either yeah. subscribe for a lower cost or just do the upgrade to the premium version. Then you uh-huh. have a, I think a year's worth of updates and then you get to keep everything. Then if you want more updates, you pay again kind of thing. Which is yep. smart. I love that. I think that's a great way to do it. It's a great way to do it. You don't have to work like cause like a lifetime license for Sketch would probably be like five hundred dollars or something like it would be pretty substantial yeah but knowing that i can just subscribe and if i ever decide it's not worth it to me anymore i can just stop without having to and still use the app going forward uh, i think that's pretty nice yeah do you um you have an adobe uh subscription through work or do you pay for that one i have one through work and i will never pay for it myself there you go (laughs) yeah (laughs) the um voice isolation thing what yeah. What, how is that going? That's pretty nice to hear. Okay, so I plan on putting my audio track through that. So in theory, you've heard it for the last 30 minutes or so already. Okay. But um, yeah, it's this awesome new feature of Adobe Podcast. Um, I'll send you a link so you can put in the show notes if you want. But yeah, you just like give it an audio file of someone talking and it will remove the background noise. It makes them sound like they're talking into a professional microphone nice like shockingly well like i can i was i did a test where i was standing across the room mm-hmm. from my camera which has a terrible microphone yeah. in it just filling myself it sounded just echoey there was background noise of like the furnace running it was horrendous i passed it through this tool and it sounds like i'm talking into the microphone i'm talking into right Amazing. now like it's unbelievable like it's the best um ai machine learning or whatever Whatever this is, right? <laughs> this seems related to the AI machine learning stuff. That's, that's really cool, all the way right now. But like, it's so cool, and I think it's—I believe it's free to use still. I don't know. If, okay, I assume they're going to move it behind the paywall eventually. But um, 
yeah, hopefully it's still free to use and uh, people can try it out because it's it's really rare. Yeah, I want to test it and compare it to Apple's um, voice isolation mode, which sounds less ambitious from what this is, uh, <laughs> for sure. Uh, yeah, this one, I, I suspect Apple's is more natural. This one sounds a bit like you're on a podcast. Yeah. So it's great for this. Right. Um, but there are some cases where, like, if you fed in the audio, it would sound kind of weird because <laughs> it does truly remove all the like ambient noise interesting makes it, you sound like you're in a studio yeah that's cool just for voice not for singing right or would this be used in singing i don't know i i, I have no idea you, you capture your kids not... reco- uh singing some some song in the kitchen and set it through that see what it sounds oh, that'd like. be interesting <laughs> yeah i'm definitely not brave enough myself to sing and and certainly not brave enough to, <laughs> to share, share that on youtube yes <laughs> Uh, and then uh, to do us, you've been moving to that instead of things three. Um, what's that been like for you? Um, it's mostly been a curiosity. Uh, I've yeah. been using things for effectively as long as things has been an app. Uh, but I get curious about what else is going on out there. And things three feels a little long in the tooth at this point. It's like been it's still a bit. pretty great, but they don't really add much to it. And as like, I think more about how I work like a web component or like at least an, an API that I can like automate things with mm-hmm. is more important and things doesn't really have that, which is kind of unfortunate. Mm. So I'm just trying not to do it. It's definitely not as nice to use moment to moment, but yeah. there's some really nice stuff with the natural language input. Um, and like I said, being able to easily automate things with it, uh, both like when I mark something done in Todoist, I can trigger something or when something else happens in the world, I can trigger a task like created uh in Todoist for myself which is pretty nice but it's cool i think i'm just playing around until the inevitable things for Four. or things cloud or i i'm i'm convinced uh speaking of subscriptions i'm i'm pretty confident whatever things does next will be a subscription Interesting. and not the paid up yeah. front that they did now because like things cloud is like their sync service um like i was saying with like ongoing costs i gave them like 50 bucks like five, six years ago? Yeah. And I haven't given them a penny since. No. But they've they spent money to, anymore. Um they they haven't. Like I would literally pay. I would yeah. I would happily pay. Um but yeah, I, yeah, I know Omni whatever. Group is uh they have the option of either or kind of thing at this point. Mm-hmm. And with oh. the subscription you get the cloud stuff. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Omnifocus. I'm I'm curious yeah, the I yeah, I um did an interview a long time ago with Ken Case about OmniFocus 4 is going to release it when it the is. app was done. I've been sitting in that audio for uh, quite a while, <laughs> so I'm excited to see when that eventually sees the light of day and they've, uh, you know, uh, finished that process. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what's going on with that anymore, but I I, I do hope they have a really great great release because OmniFocus used to be one of the great task yeah, managers. I'm always rooting for them like they, they, I, I do love the company absolutely. and their, their apps. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it just seems like they're a little bit out of sync with the rest of the market right now. Yes, a little bit. Yeah, I, yeah. Just, I just don't know where they fit. So yeah. hopefully they nail it. Yeah, I hope so. And then um, Letterboxd, uh, I download this app uh, January 1st. I'm starting to catalog the movies I'm watching. I, I need something for this for TV shows as well. Um, I almost wish the Apple TV app did a better job letting me filtering out the stuff I've watched and like did something with that data because it has it. Um yeah, so this this is kind of an interesting app for for just um you know cataloging your year of movies um and you can follow different people. Uh, how, how have you found using this app? And, yeah, this is without a doubt. We talked about Mastodon. This is without a doubt my favorite social network. <laughs> it's so simple, but like I love movies. I love watching as many movies as possible, and I think that this does a great job. You just follow people. Um, and you can see what they're watching. Uh, so whenever I see like one of my friends post like a five star review of a movie that I haven't seen, I'm like, ooh, interesting. So I can add that to my watch list. Um, I can see what's popular with all Letterboxd users. Um, and so that kind of gives me an idea for new stuff. But like, I feel like it's hard to keep track of like what movies are coming out and like, especially what smaller movies, um, are cool and worth your time. And I think Letterboxd just yeah. like helps me do that. So, I've been trying to find you on Letterboxd. I, I go to the search tab, members or HQs, mm-hmm. I search, search your name, nothing comes up. Is there an easy way to find you on Letterboxd? Like, yes. How do you how do you connect with people? Um, so, my username is Matt Birchler, and I'm 
definitely public. Although I did try to follow you a couple days ago. Oh, there you are. Me... I had okay. a space. They need to get their search better. I had a space between Matt and Birchler, mm. and you, okay. you did not show up. So if you're looking for Matt, all one word, and it'll show up. Um, and uh, my, let me see how I am visible. <laughs> uh, let's see. Here's where you go. I'm not a Patreon uh, person yet in it. Oh yeah, you. This is this is also the the sequence you'll go through is you'll use the paid service because it's awesome, and then you'll be like, I kind of want to see my stats at the end of the year, and then you pay for the pro version, <laughs> and then and then you're like, oh, I really would like to change the movie posters for my reviews, and then you're a patron, and then you're suddenly paying like forty bucks a year for it. <laughs> yeah, I actually can't find what my username. Oh, here we go. Oh, I am uh, T Chatton on the service, so that should. Hopefully, turn me out. Sweet. So, yeah, I would recommend just following. If you can follow a dozen people or more who are actively watching movies, it's it just gives you a nice little feed. You can open up and uh, find some nice recommendations. Excellent. Yeah, I'm gonna have to start following some more people because that that's always the thing. Like, what movie to watch um, is is a conundrum sometimes. Yes, it very. I, oh yeah, I mean, what is a, a more relatable experience in our time of just scrolling through all the apps. Uh-huh. Oh, that could be interesting. That could be interesting and then never watching anything. <laughs> Definitely. I miss the blockbuster days. Okay. Just going to the store and looking at what I mean, they had. It, it's, it's the same vibe. Same yeah. same vibe of like scrolling through here and seeing what's new, seeing what people are liking. You know. I love it. Apple's headset. They should do a VR blockbuster thing of your collection <laughs> where you're like going through aisles and paging through. Uh, that would be interesting. Like it's like a new cover flow. Exactly. Just in... Yes. <laughs> yes, that'd be great. Oh boy, uh, that's that's the use case. That's the killer. That is use case. that's the killer use case. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I think that is it outside of our Last of Us um, spoiler-filled discussion. Anything else uh, iPad or technology related before we get to that? No, it was a good uh, potpourri what? episode. Uh, for those that are bouncing before Last of Us, because they don't get spoiled, um, Better Computer, what, where should people find you? Yeah, uh, YouTube is probably the best place these days. Uh, channel's called A Better Computer, uh, and I'm posting there about once a week. Yeah, other than that, so you can always find me on Mastodon. I'm Birchtree at Mastodon.social. Um, again, very long. I pray. <laughs> yes. Pray Tim has a link in the show notes. I will. Um, yeah. So those are, those are the best places to find me these days. Cool. So Last of Us. Um, yes. What's your experience with the video game uh, proper? Okay. So this is this is good context. Yeah. Um, I have played the original game three times. Each time they've re-released it. So you uh, PS3 you started with? Yep. Okay. I, I missed. Um, and then you played the PS4 version. Now the PS5 version. And okay, yeah, and they're all fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I never touched the PS3 version. I started on PS4. Um, I got a PS3 after the fact when PS4 version was already out and a thing. Um, yep. I, I did the platinum yep. for the PS4 version. Um, nice. I've not done that with PS. I don't know. Yeah, so I just finished the PS5 version uh, on Saturday before the show, and then I'm working on Left Behind now. Um, Ooh, yeah, I've never played Left Behind. You have not. I have not. I would highly encourage it. Um, okay. If I, you love the base game, you will absolutely love <laughs> this uh, Left Behind. It's not terribly long. It's maybe, you know, three to six hours. I forget exactly. Um, three to six hours is the right length for a video game in yeah. the 30s. So, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and I believe the TV show will cover some of the content uh, in Left I Behind. I think so. Um, yeah. And uh, on one of the podcasts, they actually talked about how they can approach the TV show different because they have both content to work with versus um, in Last Behind Part 1, uh, Riley, a character, um, is not mentioned at all, I don't think. Or, wait, she has a, she has a little Firefly tag uh, with her. But, um, yeah, okay. there's... Yeah, but they, they more play with the TV show with, with that. Um, yeah, th- this, um, this story gets to me every single time. I'm always in tears on the prologue. Um, I'm in tears... Uh, there's constant moments where I'm just crying of wa- uh, playing this and watching this thing. Um, yeah. And like even knowing what's going to happen, right? It's yes. Like... I've played this game probably four times because I've played the remastered a couple times. 
Um, and yeah, it's probably, it's probably my third or fourth time through it. I'm still crying in the prologue. I know it's going to happen. I, <laughs> I, there's different moments throughout the game. I know it's coming up. I'm still going to cry. It's still going to get me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I was really happy with how the show, well, I guess in general, how the show is, it's hitting the same beats, right? Yes. It's definitely telling the same story as the game. But as someone who's played the game three times through, I don't feel bored and I don't feel like it's just a rehash. There's new like, depth there's, created with the time they have here. Yeah. And like like the 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 first like ten minutes is different from the original game. Like in the game, you never leave the house in this one. Yeah. I love that prologue of like fungus that we're not worried about a pandemic, a viral pandemic, but a fungi pandemic. Oh yeah. And even that, even that like couple minutes. Yeah. Before the, like the other opening. Yes. Yeah. There's like the sixties where the, the interview where they're, he's like, all right, your, your virus is whatever that they'll kill a few of us, but whatever. Um, but this, these fungal infections, trust me, it's going to be bad. <laughs> it's like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, it was funny in the podcast, uh, official podcast about it, they were talking about, yeah, we want to make sure people, it's not a viral thing because we're sick of that stuff. <laughs> it's even worse. <laughs> this would be even oh, worse if this happens. Okay. Um, um, yeah, and then like the the sequence after that uh, with Sarah, not just like at the house the night of like the outbreak. Yeah, you but, see like... her entire day of outbreak mm-hmm. day. And it was a normal yeah. day up until it wasn't. Like, yeah. And like that... I think the, the, the shot that got me the most is the shot, and we're, we're fully in spoilers right now. Totally, right? yes. Okay, so the shot that I think, like, just gut, I don't know if it was gut punch. It was a, the one that made me go, oh boy, I'm going to love the show, is where she's at the house and with the uh, her neighbors, and she's just, like, going through something on the shelves, going through the movies, and then, like, the old woman in the chair behind her is, like, doing these, like, weird contortions, yes, and, like, it's clear, mouse, like, she's infected, and... Oh it's, yeah, the, it's the great. Thing, it was great tension and just like a new thing, a yeah. new thing. It's the same story, but like it's a thing I didn't know how that scene was going to end. And yeah, that was fun. And so part two tried the. Did you play part two? I assume or no? Yes, I played part two and I loved part two. I did too. It was fantastic. So the thing they did with part two is with the enemies, they're like, um, but you know, Mike, Mike's dead or whatever. Oh um, yeah, yeah. So they have you try to sympathize with the other side. In the TV uh-huh. show, they're doing that in great strides. Like you said, the grandma who, uh, you know, you meet this family, you become kind of connected to them. The uh, Federa person, uh, Jewel, has a connection with uh, versus just being this nameless character uh, uh-huh. that gets killed in the game. This is someone that we know and know isn't a terrible, not a completely terrible person, you know. Yeah. Um, and he gets killed uh and you feel more grief over that loss versus in the game it's yeah mm-hmm. well i think this is a good thing that they're doing like leaning into what you can do in a tv show versus a game is like definitely you like you don't if you're doing a game you probably don't really want to do like the whole day in the life of a teenager before you get yeah. to like the action stuff yeah so like but like with a tv show you can do that and it's it's not boring. It's engaging just the same. Definitely. Um, so they're branching out in those ways. And I, it really encourages me for what the rest of the show is going to be. The one moment it hit me really hard was the little, the little kid at the beginning. I wasn't sure who that was. It's like, that's not Ellie. And it wasn't, <laughs> but it was this kid that had a mark on his, his leg. And, um, I, and then, you know, the nicest Federer person of all time talks with this this kid and says, we're going to give you toys, your favorite food. And uh-huh. the scan was red. And I, at that point, didn't know if red was negative or positive. And I, it's like, okay, they're taking care of this kid. And then the next scene, the most heart-wrenching thing, you see the dead body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see the shoes. I was, I was solving with just that. That that thing is just like, that that. That kid's yeah, they killed the kid. Um, because it's infected. Yep. Yeah. Which again, not in not in the game. No. It's the sides side story thing, kind of just introducing you to the world. They again, but it's also like foreshadowing. Like they introduce the light thing. They never exp- they don't explicitly say what it is either. Like you just kind of have to intuit, and it's not like the most complica- complex complex no. thing in the world. But <laughs> like 
it's it's good storytelling where they don't have to do the exposition by like telling you all the things. Yeah. They just do the thing. The people in the world know what that means. And like you can tell from like the expression on uh, her face, uh, the one you're talking about who's like trying to calm him down, that it's not good news. <laughs> no. And none of this is actually going to happen. But yeah, yeah it's it's a. Uh, it's it's tough, but I mean that's that's the last of us. Yeah, <laughs> it would be bad if it wasn't. But yeah, I love seeing Tess actually get jumped and seeing that expanded upon. Like we're seeing expansions and things I've I've wanted to see, and that's so cool. And critics were saying episode one was the the weak point in this series, uh, which makes me very excited for seeing <laughs> what we're gonna get a week to week here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, truly, if this is the worst that it is, then it's gonna be. A remarkable show. Yeah. I think it's going to be a huge hit for HBO too if it can uh, stay this high quality because I think the word of mouth will be really good about it. Yeah, and I'm intrigued to. S- I'd imagine that another season would tackle part two. Yeah, um, that well, that's the other thing is like, how long do they expect this thing to go? Like, is this a mini series or is it a, a like a show that's going to have at least two seasons? And then what do you do after that? Do I they mean, put a out George a hiatus R. R. situation? Until the part three yeah. game comes out. Yeah, like well, season three is due. Well, <laughs> but it's it's cool because like you know, I mean, like Neil Druckmann, who is kind of the creative force behind the games, is also it sounds like heavily involved in the yes. show. So you and it just and you can know, tell, I watch, like you can tell, yeah. yeah, you can tell, and like you can see, like in the like little bits of like interviews I've seen with him, like it seems really rewarding to him to be able to kind of. Like we talked about, like flesh out some of the story, do things that maybe didn't make sense in a game environment. Um, it's it's just rad all the way through. It is, yeah, and um, yeah, it's great having the music there. I guess there's a second composer as well for the non Gustavo um, composed stuff. Mm, okay, um, yeah, yeah. Um, I did. I didn't notice the music. I feel like the last host doesn't have like a, a very noticeable soundtrack, but like when it kicks in. It's, yeah, it's yeah, it's good. Yeah, you're not gonna be like humming it as you like do, go through your day. It's not like the, the Star Wars theme or anything. No, but, <laughs> definitely. But not. like, it definitely takes you into that world when you hear um, whatever the that chorus is. But like with the melody uh, that you hear everywhere. Yeah. So I'm trying to remember back to the other versions of Last of Us at the very end in the hospital. Was there an option to use the doctor's knife against himself in past games? I, f- I thought that felt new to me, and I felt that was smart because it's uh, that's a character we now need to care about with part two. <laughs> um, oh, it's a good question. I do not know. Yeah, that felt new. In the past, I always used the gun or whatever, even when because this time I waited, and I waited last time I played too. And I didn't have that option last time, I don't think, to turn his knife against him. Um, I'm trying to remember. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I don't I don't recall, but yeah. I yeah. don't know. It, the, the tweaks, there's fi- five years between playthroughs, so yeah. you know. <laughs> it feels like they, they made some nice tweaks um, towards the end of the game as, as well to make it even more emotional um, in the remake for PS5. Just um, some very part, minor things. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I know people were upset about this game like even existing, but it really seems like they just refined the thing. Like the the entire game is just a more finely tuned version of the thing yeah. we already had. And the AI seems smarter and at times a little harder. Um, okay. And they they brought the enemies from part two that scare the bejesus out of me. The <laughs> um, there, there was a new enemy type introduced in part two. Um they don't show up when you're listening and they showed up in the um when in the hotel when Joel's um in the watery parts. Um Okay, okay. I'm not sure if uh that rings a bell. Um It does not. Okay, okay. <laughs> they're not um clickers, but they're not runners, they're kind of in between that. Um, okay, yeah. Yeah, I hate those things. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Yeah, I'm. I'm super excited to see where the series goes. Um, and I th- anything else on, on Last of Us? I think everyone should watch it. I think that if you're remotely interested, you should watch it. Yeah, I think if you like 
anything at all, you should watch it. I think it's yeah. great. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> oh, uh, the, the the very opening, I loved uh, her going to the watch store, uh, her using Joel's money to repair it because you won't do this for yourself. Yeah. That, that was such, yeah, building on that. Um, it was also interesting that uh, the watch owner's uh, wife, I believe her his wife knew about something going wrong before the news. Uh-huh. Like she was watching the news all day and or all night when she got home. And nothing on the news until, you know, right? I don't know. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I wasn't sure if she was like clicking through and just like was on that for a couple seconds and was like whatever. Um, yeah. But they do that in the game as well, where like you just hear things like in the background or like see things on the screen, uh, like the TV, like as the characters are having a conversation where like something's happening, um, but it's not very clear. And it's kind of like it, you know, it's going to happen because you bought the game, you saw the trailers. Yes. Um, But like it's it's showing how the characters, it's just kind of passing them by until it like really hits them and then they have to go. And, um, yeah, and then they they really go. I like how they recreated um, in that opening scene, like the when they're trying to get out of town. Yeah, uh, like they did the thing where they had like the camera in the car with them, like you do the game and you're looking around. The same T intersection that was in the game. Yep. yep. And then they added the airplane crash, which I was like, I think that was the moment where I was like, all right, yes. this is really <laughs> they, they spend um, money on this. Yeah, in Left Behind, there's there's an airplane crashed into a mall, and there's like diaries you can look at, like someone was infected on the plane, and you know, you know went down through that. Uh, yeah, um, and yeah, and that that accumulation with um, Sarah getting shot was just heart wrenching as ever. Like, it, it it hits every time, like and like Pedro Pascal does a great job there, like showing the like just the obviously the pain of that moment yeah the um the how quickly they can get you attached to these characters in a way that makes you cry is astounding like in the game and this like yeah i don't know a a story that does this as well besides maybe up and you know the opening of up yeah it's a different kind of uh, feeling yeah but like especially in a video game like that's not an emotion you normally feel for any character and on the rare cases you do it's like in an rpg or even with them for like 50 hours yes um certain final fantasy games famously um but yeah like to be in the first i don't know is it 15 minutes of the game 20 minutes of the game and like to lose a character who you just met yeah it's uh it's unusual yeah oh i want to say ellie uh from the trailers i was skeptical that this would be a good fit but instantly when I saw her performing, it's like, she's nailing this. This is like perfect. <laughs> like the voice, the just mannerisms and she, she, she seems to be. And yeah, that, that was yeah. my one fear about, uh, by the trailers was just like instantly resolved. It's like, okay, well, yeah. And I mean, she was just, uh, she was a revelation on game of Thrones. So it was, uh, I was just like more of her, please. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. So I was, I was down for it. I like that the characters aren't necessarily, um, dead lookalikes right. for the game. Like they're definitely similar, but it's not just like they tried to make them look exactly the same. Um, except for Marlene. Yeah, and I like the Marlene the si- um, connection with uh, Ellie. Uh, her explaining just at that moment, it- I put you there, and like <laughs> a New Year yeah, mom, yeah. Like, and that was kind of <laughs> hidden to her um, up until then, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in the well, game, I had the impression that Marlene and Ellie were longtime kind of buddies or friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's not the case. That's not what they're at least not what they're doing in the show. No. no. Um, but uh, the the one thing I really like is that uh, the actress who plays Marlene is the same person who did the voice in the games. So that's the only person who's that's exactly super the cool. same. Yeah, and I guess there will be roles for both Ellie and Joel's voice actors in different roles in this show coming up. Okay, I'm excited for that it. would make sense. You sh- it's yeah. it's a it's a good thing to thing to do for them. Yeah, and the Joel voice actor hosts the official podcast for the show, which is cool. Um, yep, which is also worth checking out. Um, I subscribed just a few minutes ago. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that's it. Right, thank you, Matt, for your time uh, diving into tech and also one of my favorite video game series of all time. <laughs> anytime, literally anytime. I'm happy to come on. Excellent. <laughs> And then uh, once again, uh, check you out on Mastodon Birch Tree and Mastodon Social. 
birchtree at mastodon.social. Yep. Cool. And a better computer. And uh, yeah, we will. I will. Ha- I kind of want to do a, a after this TV show is has wrapped up to do some kind of special bonus, just all about it. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would love to as well. Excellent. Draft me line. <laughs> Thanks again. Right. See you then. Well, as my special with Matt, make sure to check out Matt's YouTube channel over at A Better Computer. My thanks to Matt for his time recording this episode, and my thanks to you for your time and attention tuning in. As a reminder, you can support this podcast over at patreon.com slash abipros or by subscribing in Apple Podcasts. With that, I'll talk to everyone again real soon.